Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh. That's Chuck. How you doing, Chuck? I'm great, man. This, this, let's just stop right here, Chuck. We've got something to shamelessly plug. I want to just get it over with. I feel really right. bad about why, this. Why call it anything other than what it is? Right. Okay, so um, everybody, Chuck and I uh, just made, and Jerry. Jerry was a huge part of it. Agreed. Our producer, Jerry. It would have just been steaming had Jerry not um, been involved in this, right? Agreed. Uh, Chuck and I just recorded our first spoken word album. Right. We have uh, joined the likes of uh, Jack Kerouac and Barack Obama, except our spoken word album's on the economy, economics, right, Chuck? Yes, indeed. Uh, we took the path less traveled, did something that's kind of obscure and people you know, aren't talking about much these days. Right. Um, and what's it called, Chuck? It is called The Stuff You Should Know, Super Stuffed Guide to the Economy. And it is super stuffed because it's uh, long. And it's detailed, and right. it's got interviews with experts. There's we, um, we go on site. We leave yeah. the studio. Chicken farm. Not this. That's not a spoiler alert. Right. Don't worry about it. Uh, but yeah, so it's up for sale on iTunes right now, right? Uh huh. Um, and it is for sale. It is. I know you folks are always saying, "I can't believe your podcasts are free." Well, we took your advice. So. Yeah. Thanks for that. Hopefully, this will allow us to keep doing what we do. Yeah. So uh, I, that's. Have we reached the end of the shameless plug? Oh, yes. Wait. So if you want to go buy it, that would be totally fine with us. That would be great. Okay. So uh, that now we've reached the end of the shameless plug. Yes. And it's time to get into your shameless segue. Yeah. Which is this. Have you ever mountain climbed? I know you've repelled, but were you ever on a mountain? To repel, mine was, one must climb. Now, I've never actually rock climbed, but I've done plenty of hiking in the mountains. I gotcha. But not rock face climbing. That's Was there snow in any of these mountains? Were you up so high that there's like perennial snow? Oh, yeah, sure. Really? Yeah. Where? Like Colorado, stuff like that. Huh. Wow, that's pretty impressive. I didn't know that was shocking. I know. California, I, I too. See, I see you like wearing your little shorts and hiking boots with like thick socks kind of pushed down. Yeah. Um, so far, so good. Yeah. And just kind of hiking along what most people would call like a hill or something like that. Certainly <laughs> not like where there's... Like Kennesaw Mountain? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> Which is... I can't say anything because it's way out of my league, Kennesaw Mountain is, let alone the Rockies. No. I mean, trust me, dude. I'm not... You won't think I'm a Sherpa like scaling the... Mount Everest or anything like that. Yeah, and I think at this point I can tell you I've left untoward behind, and Sherpa is now my favorite word right now. Okay. I love that word. It just rolls off the tongue. Sherpa. They're cute little guys. Yeah, agreed. Um, Okay, so you have done some mountain climbing. So so you can speak to what we're going to talk about with reasonable authority. Yes. I I can defer to you when I get confused, (laughs) inevitably. So, Chuck, have you ever read Into Thin Air? I have not, but I did read Into the Wild, which is John Krakauer, is that his name? Yeah, John Krakauer. He is a journalist for Outside Magazine, mm-hmm. and uh, he knows how to uh, take an outdoor um, event yeah. and turn it into a, a good book. Into the Wild is a great example. Chris McCandless, yeah. uh, who actually went to school down uh, the road at Emory right. and decided that he was going to go to Alaska and basically just didn't quite do it right. Yeah. Died after three months of uh, exposure to the elements, I think. Uh, there's some varying theories on why he died, but we won't, that's not what this is about. Okay. Well, no. We're, thin air, into thin air is much, much more pertinent to this topic, don't Correct. you think? Okay. So um, that's actually about a uh, an, an expedition on Mount Everest. 
um, and that took place in May 1996. He was actually on this one, right? <laughs> yes, he was, um, which is one of the reasons the book is so incredible. I bet. Um, and it was a complete cluster of a um, of an expedition. Really? Eight, eight people died, Ugh. accounting for um, more than half the deaths on Everest that year. Really? This one expedition. Wow. Um, there was a rogue storm that whipped up, and it killed some people, and others were lost, and then they died, but then other people went after them to try to rescue them, and then they died. And mm-hmm. It was just more like a, let's get out of here whenever we can. You basically just have to write everybody off, right? right. Um, and and like, like I said, it's a very, very good book. Um, but one of the things that I took from it is that Number one, Mount Everest is a total bear as mm-hmm. far as mountains go. Completely inhospitable for humans. Yeah, you want to talk about, you want to talk a little bit about Everest? Yeah, I guess we should get a, just a couple of stats out of the way. All right, it's, let's do um, it. Everyone knows it's the tallest peak in the world. Yeah, they call it the rooftop of the world. They do, and, for good reason. quick aside, um, there is a discovery microsite on Everest. And it has a 360 degree panoramic view. You show, remember, you showed uh, me that like my first week here. It's amazing. It was unbelievable. And I said to myself, that is awesome. And this Josh dude has it going on. That's all it takes. Mm-hmm. That's how I've collected all of my friends. That's how the magic starts. Yeah. You send them the Everest photo. Yeah. I just, I pay it out a little bit at a time. Yeah. Start with the Everest photo. It's and really then before cool though. You know it, you're sitting up at night. You actually you feel like you're there when you look at this panoramic uh, picture and so much so that I don't feel like I need to climb it. You can almost hear the wind whipping. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, okay. So give me some more stats. So yeah, tallest peak in the world. Uh, Share which the, is wh- what's the uh, peak? How how tall is it? Twenty nine thousand thirty five feet, which is eight thousand eight hundred and fifty meters for our friends who don't live in the U.S. or Liberia or Burma. Correct. Right. Very well done. Uh, little shout out, insider shout out to our listener mailer. She wrote <laughs> in with that. Um, and the mountain itself shares a, a border with Nepal and Tibet, but the actual peak is in Nepal. So India is not involved? Not as far as I know. Huh. Um, why did you say that? <laughs> you trying to throw me off my game. Yeah, don't worry about it, Chuck. No one can throw you off your game. Right. Not even me. Josh messes with me sometimes, people, but it usually gets cut out. I have a feeling this will make it in. So, Chuck, I have a question for you. Shoot. What is the worst season to go on Everest? Well... Really, anything outside of um, May and June. That's, May to June. Yeah, that's when you want to climb Everest. May, so May to June is the time you want to go? Yes. Oh, well, okay, gotcha. So, Josh, an average day, if you want to talk weather, an average Which day in, in May of 2008 was uh, minus 17 degrees Fahrenheit. Which is minus 27 degrees Celsius. True. And winds of 51 miles an hour. 81 kilometers. Right. Very yeah. good. So that's during the most hospitable time of the year, barring no like freak storms and unusual activity. Yeah. Uh, other times of the year, the jet stream passes directly by the summit, which is in May to June. The jet stream does not do that, which is why that's the time to go. Gotcha. And you can get winds up to like you know 120 miles an hour. And uh, minus I've heard 118 miles an hour, which would be 189 kilometers an hour. And minus 100 degrees Fahrenheit, so. Which is minus 73 degrees Celsius. Right. So you cannot imagine. Have you ever been up in a tall, tall building? Um, yeah. In the wintertime? No. Outside? No. Okay. I, I, I climbed the Empire I State Building. like you, Chuck. <laughs> There's no mountain climbing. Certainly no Colorado hiking. No tall buildings in the wintertime. Right. Uh, but you've been to Malta. Um, that is true. I, just a few years ago, Emily and I were at the top of the Empire State Building around Christmas time. Nice. And dude, 
that's the Empire State Building, and I thought I was going to die. The wind and the cold. Really? And that's the Empire State Building. So imagine Mount Everest at 29,000 feet. So. Well, were you properly outfitted on the roof of the Empire State oh, Building? Oh, yeah. I mean, Did I wasn't have, wearing my shirt. Have you established gear, but... a, a base camp by then? Yeah, on the on the ground floor. Of the, <laughs> the security State Building. guard comes out and is like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. So, so Chuck, I think we got it down. Mount Everest is not the place to be, especially no. with your Empire State allegory. That's pretty good. Thanks. Okay. So, um, and we've also established that people die right. on Everest. How many was there? One hundred and eighty-nine so yeah, far. Yeah, that's the that's the current count. And I, you said that two thousand people have died, or have have successfully summited. Everest. Right. That was as of a few years ago. That was the count. And the BBC told me 1,300. Uh, well, you know. So somewhere between there. For every stat, there's another stat when it comes to stuff like this. An equal and opposite stat. Like some guy might have snuck up to Everest and not officially logged it with the BBC, you know. Well, the the, uh, <laughs> the problem is is that um, if you die on Everest, apparently you stay on Everest. Pretty much. Yeah. Which is what your article's about, right? Yeah. It's much... Uh, it's a suicide mission to try and bring a body uh, down from the death zone. And the death zone is uh, above 26,000 feet. That's like the final area above the final base camp where you go to reach the summit. And that's where most people die. Okay. And and not everybody who's died on Everest is still there. But a significant portion is. Like of the 189, there's uh, 120. And also we should probably say um, before you uh, sharpen your pencils and email us, we're working off of what, like 2004 stats right here? Yeah. So uh, at, at least several people have died since then, I think. Uh, I know at least one guy died in 2006 on Everest. Right. Um, the thing is, is it, 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 you can't even bring your oxygen canister down. Uh, no, obviously, it's a, a, trash a zone. dead person and an oxygen cancer, not the same thing, but it kind of puts it in perspective. Right. Like, you are going up there and getting back down, and you're lucky to escape with your life, basically. Exactly. Yeah. And, and from what, I, what I've read and, and been described to me, to try and bring a body down is a suicide mission for everyone involved. So it's like, you can't save this person because you put your entire crew at risk. So you just have to march on. Right. Um, now, that's kind of the uh, predominant view of people who who climb Everest. Um, but it seems like it's starting to change. Like technology is advancing enough and people's gear and, and oxygen equipment. It's getting good enough so that that, that sentiment is almost um, being outlived. It's already been outlived. Uh, obviously, Sir Edmund Hillary is the guy who summited Everest for the first time. Right. With, Although uh, there are debates about that, too. Uh, did they think uh, Norgay beat him? Uh, well, George Lee Mallory actually is another climber, and there's there's some speculation as to who actually got there first. Because Mallory was found dead. Right. And actually, in the article, there's a picture of his I know. petrified, frozen, headless body. It is a cool picture. Yeah. Yeah, his head just pretty much withered away. The The weird thing is, is like if you look at his left hand, it's it, totally intact. Right. Like, it looks like he's just laying there if you just look at his arm. Yeah, true. But wh- where did they find him? I mean, did they find him at the summit? Uh, or did they think he made it to the summit and started to climb down and died, maybe? Exactly. I think that's the speculation. They did not find They found him beneath the summit, and there's speculation as to whether, what you said, whether he made it all the way down and died on the way back, or whether he never made it all the way up. Gotcha. And he would have been before Hillary, so that's, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, he was in the 20s, right? 
Yeah, so, nineteen twenty-four. And it looks like he was running around in like a burlap sack. Well, I think that's it's, not good climbing. It's gear. weathered some over the years. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Well, either way, the first person to be to document their place at the top sure. of Mount Everest is Sir Edmund Hillary and his and Sherpa. He did it with uh, Nepalese Sherpa Tenzing Norgay, right? Who's just got the best name. Yeah, he's got Sherpa right there, and then Tenzing and yeah. Norgay. I love that guy's name. That's that's your fake name when you check in the hotels, isn't it, Tenzing Norgay? Why did you do that? I tell you things in confidence. Thank you, Chuck. Now you know, I have to change my name. This brings up a point, though, that he's he's obviously the most well-known Sherpa ever. Have you, you ever heard sure. of any other Sherpa? I have, but I never retain their names like Tenzing Norgay. Well, they get a raw deal is my point. Like you always see the guy, you know, the, the white dude in the Jansport North Face gear right, sure. on top of Everest. And you don't see like... And there's like two Sherpas. Yeah, the two Sherpas like, like on the outside of the frame. Yeah, it's their third trip up that week, yeah. you know, they're like big deal. Did you ever see that uh, episode of The Simpsons where Homer climbs Mount uh, Springfield? Yes. And the two Sherpas are like doing cartwheels on the yeah. way down and dragging him up while he sleeps at night. Yeah. 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 I imagine that that's probably... I think it's a thankless job is what I'm saying. Yeah. I think Sherpas uh, of the world, they need to form a union or something. So how did we get on Hillary? Uh, well, you said that he was the first man. Okay. Well... Um, and he did not perish. I know. I know what I was going to say. He lived until 2008. So he lived to see a lot of people die, follow yeah. in his footsteps and die. And um, in 2006, this guy named uh, John Sharp, I believe, he died um, on the mountain. Uh, I think of exposure, maybe. And mm, probably, yeah. As many as 40 climbers passed right past him. Yeah. And While not like passed him and didn't see him. Like passed him, noted he was dead right. or dying, dying, mm-hmm. and just kept going. Because that that mentality is still around, like, yeah. hey, it's too dangerous, right? The thing, the, the so Hillary came out and publicly criticized the people who didn't even do anything, really, or make an attempt. Um, and then the thing that really kind of drove that criticism home was the following year, a, a Nepalese woman was successfully rescued by an American climber, a very experienced American climber, but she was in virtually the same spot under virtually the same conditions. And he got her out, but 40 people walked past this guy just under the assumption that, and I I can imagine it's drilled into your head, like if you die or you're dying, we're going to leave you here. Right. But I don't think that's necessarily, I don't think that necessarily has to be the case anymore. As as that that American guide proved by saving the Nepalese woman. Right. And this is, this is me speculating here but i bet a certain amount of this too in addition to having that drilled in your head is it's so much effort and a lot of money to go on one of these expeditions and not you know some people climb it more than once but a lot of people this is their their one shot and they hear this and they might see someone dying and uh they think you know i can't ruin my opportunity to climb everest right. and potentially die right in the process to rescue this stranger so yeah it's Pretty sad. I know there's a lot of controversy. Well, there is. There's definitely one guy who has probably received the most public ire of anybody who's let somebody die on Everest. His name is Ian Woodall. Yeah, and he actually figures as basically the villain in Into Thin Air. He was actually oh, really? he was on the mountain uh, when Krakauer's expedition went pear shaped. And um, so Krakauer was, you know, these expeditions were very close together and oftentimes like coming into the same place at the same time. And they try to stagger it, kind of like golf, except much, much deadlier, um, where so everybody's not hitting the same points at the same time. So there's the sharp acting as a starter. There's no bottlenecks, right? Yeah. 
Well, Woodall apparently was not down with waiting for anybody. I think his famous quote in the book is, we'll make it to the top anytime we damn well please or something like that. Interesting. He, so he's unwilling to coordinate with other expeditions. He um, wouldn't allow a, 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 another expedition, I think Krakauer's expedition, to use his radio to call for help um, for whatever reason. I don't remember. I read the book like a, a decade ago. Right. But he, he, Krakauer definitely doesn't like this guy. And basically, if he doesn't say in so many words, he insinuates that this, this people died on the mountain because of this man's action or inaction, right? right. So, and there was actually one, another climb that Woodall went on where he, yeah, he was with a dying woman. He and his partner, uh, Kathy O'Dowd, his, his, um, wife actually, but I think they're, they're climbing partners as well. Um, were going on their initial ascent, right? Right. And um, came upon a woman. And what is her name? Uh, her name is Frances Ar- Arsentiev. Okay. Um, yeah. And she was laying there dying. Yes. And so they went over and hung out with her for an hour and tried to see what they could do. And what happened? Well, they left her behind. Yeah. And she said, apparently the last words she said were, don't leave me behind. And they were forced to leave her behind. Yeah. And uh, I didn't know that part about the end of thin air that he figured into that book. Yeah. But apparently he went back in 2007 to bury uh, the, her body uh, up there. He as did. Along with a couple of others. She because had, he was racked with guilt, apparently. Yeah. She had um, – I read a, a uh, an article in the Daily Mail about him doing that. Uh-huh. Um, and it was right before – he was actually on the mountain. They were interviewing him via satellite phone. Um, and apparently uh, Fran – as everybody called her, uh-huh. had become kind of this um, ghoulish landmark. Like uh, I think uh, Kathy right. O'Dowd put it like, you get to Fran and turn left. Yeah, because she was right there on the trail. It's awful. And and you know apparently like in like a kind of a really horrible frozen uh, state. frozen state. Mm-hmm. And also her husband uh, was on the climb with her and he died. They assume they never found him again. Uh, going to get help. Um, so yeah, it's a horrible story. They both left their, uh, a, a son behind, I believe. Ugh. Um, but yeah, so, so Woodall wanted to go bury her. And, uh, he ultimately ended up like lowering down, da- lowering her down and dropping her down the north face instead. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, but yeah, there, he's not a very well liked person among a lot of climbing circles. I get the impression. Well, I know there's certainly a lot of controversy around that. Um, I know that, uh, there's also been efforts. It's a big trash dump, too, which is what's really sad. Yeah. Because, like you said, people will just dump their gear to make it easier on the way down. And uh, i got a good stat for you here. Uh, we're talking 120 tons of trash each year are left behind on Mount Everest by climbers. Wait, each year? I thought that was total. Uh, each year, says ABC News. Holy cow. And that climbing teams in China, they lead expeditions now to go up and clean some of this stuff up. And they're trying to get some of these bodies down yeah. that are within... You know, safe reach. I mean, think about it. There's 120 bodies on Everest. Mm-hmm. The ones that are up in what you call it, the death zone. Yeah. Um, they're they're pretty preserved. Like you can see in that picture of uh, George Mallory. Yeah. Right. Um. So uh, they're close to trails generally. Mm-hmm. So that it, I mean, imagine that. Imagine climbing Everest, knowing that your own mortality is at risk, and then having like these reminders along I the know. way. I felt that way at the Empire State Building. Did you? Were there a lot of dead bodies on the Empire State Building, like no. up the stairs? You know, every, every couple landings. It's, a, it's an elevator, so I got gotcha. you. I really had nothing to complain about. There's no stairs in the Empire State Building. Seems uh, like a violation of fire well, safety. No, I'm, I'm sure there are stairs, but you don't climb them to get to the uh, the observation deck. I got gotcha. you. 
Take an elevator. That's why you're still just doing the Rockies, buddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, okay. Well, Chuck, um, I guess we've answered that question. 120 dead bodies, uh, hopefully less as they retrieve them, if they can retrieve them. Yeah. And hopefully less as time goes on, because I know that every year that goes by, fewer and fewer people are dying because of climbing technology, satellite phones, stuff like that. And possibly maybe a change in mentality about what happens to you if you get injured or you get exhausted. And a new bang-up generation of Sherpas as well. Yes, there are no Tenzing Norgays, though. <laughs> he's the he's the one. Yeah, last of a breed. Yeah. Well, uh, again, thank you for listening to that Are There Dead Bodies on Mount Everest. You can read more about it. It's a Chuck article, which means it's the mark of quality. You can type in Dead Bodies Mount Everest, and it's going to come up in our handy search bar on HowStuffWorks.com. And um, while I'm sitting here thinking about a new um, pseudonym to come up with when I... Check into hotels. Right. Um, Chuck's going to talk about our blog. Yes. Uh, our blog is up. It's been up for a little while now. And we've gotten some of you fine folks leaving comments, and we'd like to see more of it. And I just want to say, every Friday, I do a little podcast recap mm-hmm. on the blog where we just mention the, the shows that were released that week. And that's a good chance for you guys to, to chat with us about it. If you have any comments about that week's show, yeah, uh, we log on. We'll answer you back. We'll answer your questions. And... Uh, it's a good way to reach us. You want to mention the cartoon? Oh, yeah. Even better. Uh, there's a, uh, for Friday, the March 20th, there's a blog post where Josh and I are actually have been made into a comic strip by an artist named Greg Williams mm-hmm. for the uh, Tampa Tribune in Tampa, Florida. And it's uh, regarding our junk mail podcast, and it's up on our blog now, and it's awesome. It's really, really cool. It is very cool. Um, he, he found the one moment of scatological humor out of all of our podcasts and amplified it like a million times right it's uh he did a good job and also i never realized how round my head is until i saw it in cartoon form right and he clearly used a compass to draw to draw me yeah um so yeah i have a big round head that's good yeah it looks nice but yeah that's up on our blog and thank you to uh mr greg williams yes for doing that we feel very honored yes and now and I know what time it is. Listener mail. So, Chuck, the bring has occurred. Uh, the toned down bring, as per the request of some. The listener mail chime. Let's do it. Uh, this one. Um, is wait, it- wait, wait. There's no haiku in here, is there? Well, there's a brief one. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, haikus are brief. All right, let's go. <laughs> I said no more haikus, but this one's funny because um, originally I called haikus that were corrections, correction coups. Uh-huh. I thought it was kind of funny. But Jonathan M. Pesky of Redlands, California, wrote us this one. Correction coup, no. Such a clunky moniker. Try high correction. That is a little more clever. Much more better. Yeah. So. It's more better. Getting on with the correction coup. Uh, I know in, uh, I think last week, we mentioned the um, listener mail someone wrote in about the MK Ultra video game. Yeah. The guy who's on acid while he wrote us. Right. Can we listen to a little clip of that real quick? Let's do that, because it was funny. Uh, in it, you were a weird costumed man with a gun for an arm, and you went through and violently killed everything in your midst. The world you were in was very interesting. Different colors, the walls moved, weird sounds. There was a talking dog as your sidekick. So, right, he wrote us in, and I was really, really disappointed to find out. We had quite a few people email us and tell us that it was not a game called MK Ultra. It's a game called MDK. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, while there was a weird costume man with a gun on his hand and a talking dog and lots of weird trippy things and dark sense of humor, it apparently um, had nothing to do with MK Ultra. No. So I was disappointed to learn that. But I want to thank uh, Rue from Atlanta. Yes. Ali, oh boy, Itezadaka. <laughs> you think you practiced this? Ali, it, that's not bad. No. Uh, Robbie. Yeah. Alejandro. Okay. Charlie. And Michael. Or, wow. And they all are video game guys, I guess, and they wrote in um, to tell us that they had played MDK. It was a PC game, and it looked pretty cool. I looked at it on YouTube. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it's pretty rad, but there's no um, there's no MK Ultra going on. Well, uh, thanks to everybody who wrote in, and if you want to write to us about your video gaming experiences, or just to say hi... Or to suggest a new uh, pseudonym for me when I check into hotels, send it to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?